Hello. Welcome to the first episode of the Med School Uncensored podcast. I'm Richard Bedingfield, practicing anesthesiologist and author of the book, Med School Uncensored. Just like my book, this podcast is dedicated to giving listeners an honest and uncensored glimpse into the process of becoming a physician. Each episode, I will interview someone in one of the stages of becoming a doctor, a pre-med, med student, resident, fellow, or newly practicing physician. I will also interview special guests, such as admissions officers, education consultants, experienced physicians, and non-physician healthcare workers. On this inaugural episode of the Med School Uncensored podcast, my first guest is Annalise Pantoffer, a pre-med student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. She is currently in her final year of undergraduate training at UW-Madison and is planning on taking a gap year after graduation while applying to medical school. Annalise, hello, and thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Hello, I am very happy to join you. Why don't you just start off, tell me about yourself, where are you from, what do you study in school, and, and kind of did you take a traditional path from high school through college? Um, yeah, so I am from the Madison area, actually. I'm just about 30 minutes south of Madison um, from Stoughton, and I am a first-generation college student. Um, my grandpa actually helped co-found the orthotics lab here without even a bachelor's degree, um, which doesn't even exist anymore. Um, but he kind of inspired me to begin medicine um, and my high school professors or teachers, I guess, um, at the time had inspired me to major in biology and my Spanish professor convinced me to major in Spanish too. Um, so that is what I study is biology and Spanish. And then I have a certificate or a minor in global health also. Um, and I did take a traditional role where I came straight from high school to undergrad, um, but kind of decided to take a gap year in between undergrad and um, co or, and medical school um, before I dive right in. Sure. All right. Well, that sounds like you have a, a lot on your plate and a, a varied undergraduate experience. That's great. Um, and I, I should disclose that I, I met uh, I met you first at by, by way of your involvement in the uh, pre-health society at the uh, University of Wisconsin. Uh, what, and what exactly is the name of that group again? What, how were you involved with that? Um, so originally, I think we had maybe connected through the Center for Pre-Health Advising on campus, or maybe I had made a connection somewhere there. Um, but that organization that I'm president of is Health Profession Society that you spoke at. Um, and I became involved in that through my biology TA, my intro to bio TA was graduating graduate school um, and going on to dental school and actually wanted to hand down her organization to someone she could trust. And I guess I was that person. So I got lucky and um, landed that really great opportunity. That's great. Um, so it involves all sorts of health students. Yep. And have you felt like your involvement in that organization has helped you understand better kind of the process of becoming a physician, maybe some of the other options in the healthcare world, those types of things? Yes, certainly. So because that org is non-specific to a certain health profession, um, we invite speakers at every meeting from all sorts of health professions. So we'll have physicians, we'll have nurse practitioners, um, nurses, PAs, OTs. We have a plethora of different individuals that come in, um, as well as a bunch of different specialties within uh, physicians. Um, occupation. So um, I do get a lot of exposure to other um, ideas and pathways that I could explore in my future. So that certainly helped. When did you first start thinking about becoming a physician? 
think I applied to college, old man, that was a long time ago, <laughs> um, applied to college with the intent of becoming a physician. Um, but it really wasn't solidified until I started my research with Aorta Corps, it's called, um, which is clinical research of the aorta. And that solidified my love for radiographic imaging, um, for interacting with patients, um, and my work with Our Lady of Hope Clinic as well, where I volunteer, um, really inspired me to become a physician and pursue that career. Um, okay. Reinforced it, I guess. So, <laughs> so before college and uh, sometime in high school, do you think, or even before that? Oh, man. Um, one of my very fond memories is my grandpa worked with polio patients. Um, and he, when I was little, we would go over to his house and he would take me down to the basement and we would look at all the different orthotics that he made, um, all the different prosthetics and stuff that he made for his patients. And I think from then I really had an interest in medicine. So even when I was very young, um, okay. I had an interest in working with other people. Sure. So it came from family connections and early experiences. I know you have, uh, you know, family that were working in the orthotics industry. Uh, did you specifically have any physician role models growing up uh, early in life or in high school? Not particularly, just because neither of my parents obtained a bachelor's degree. Um, so my dad was a car salesman and my mom was a sales rep for the Hershey company as well as a photographer. Um, so they've been very supportive in a lot of ways, but connecting to physicians, I just haven't really had that same opportunity as a lot of my peers. Um, I had really great physicians growing up, like a really great pediatrician. Um, but other than that, I really didn't get to see physicians hands-on until I got into college and had those connections later on. And some of those connections, I assume, came from your research experience, from being involved in the pre-health organizations and things like that? Absolutely, yes. The best way to meet physicians is to get involved in extracurriculars. So would you say then that that's how you've gotten most of your information about um, what the career is like, the process of becoming a physician, uh, all those sorts of things? I would kind of. say so. Um, between that and the Center for Pre-Health Advising on campus, they've been super helpful in kind of guiding me through this process that was so unknown to me as I um, left senior year of high school. Right. And it's interesting you mentioned that, you know, a lot of your peers have maybe uh, more direct exposure to, to doctors in, in their high school time and even before that, perhaps. Uh, do you feel like sometimes that you're in the minority when you're talking to other pre-med students at the college level? Yeah, it can feel that way occasionally. Um if you don't have connections, it's difficult to shadow, for example. Um, so if you, I know I have friends that they'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going home and I'm going to shadow one of my friends, my dad's buddies, and that's what I'm going to do for winter break. And I just, I just have to shoot them an email and that's fine. Um, where I just can't relate to that and I have to work a little harder to find shadowing opportunities. Um, and I think that's made me more resilient. It's made me a better advocate for myself um, than I otherwise would be if I had those connections already. Right. Yeah, I'm sure you had, you had to work a little harder for what others are, have sort of handed to them in a way. Um, well, you're certainly correct that, you know, a, a decent percentage of, of applicants each year and a slightly higher percentage even of those accepted to medical school uh, do have at least one parent or a close family member who's a physician. So I, I think and I think that probably is part of it because it's it's very difficult uh, to s figure out the process, kind of get that glimpse into the career in the first place if you don't have those experiences. So good for you for uh, taking the effort to go out there and, and figure it out. 
Um, you mentioned earlier that you were taking a gap year while applying to medical school okay. between undergrad and med school. Uh, that's something that I'll be honest with you. I, I graduated in medical school in 2010. Uh, finished training from residency and fellowship in 2015. I think even from the time that I was in that school between 2006 and 2010, the idea of, of taking a gap year has, has become much more common. I, I certainly hear a lot more about it when I'm out talking to students at, at conferences and things like that. Um, when did you decide you wanted to do a gap year and what were some of your motivations for wanting to do that? Um, I guess I'll be honest, sophomore year kind of freaked me out knowing that in a year I'd be preparing my application for medical school. And I was still in the process of taking organic chemistry and intro bio, hadn't even touched physics yet um, or biochemistry. And you really need to ask yourself, do you really want to cram all those classes in at once just so that you can take the MCAT and apply to medical school, um, which I didn't. I wanted to enjoy undergrad, and I wanted to do as well as I possibly could in those classes, and I just think that it wouldn't be possible if I took all of them together. Um, so that was a major factor, was just having to gather up all of everything, basically, for your application, which is a monster, um, oh, sure. by your the end of your junior year, yeah, and still make those connections with professors. Most of my professors that are going to write letters of recommendation are people that I've worked with in my last two years here, um, which I just wouldn't have really gotten if I had done it my junior year. Not as I wouldn't have as great of letters to frack. Right. Um, and I don't think I'd be as good of an applicant either because I've grown so much in these last two years that it would be kind of rude to take those away from my application, I think. It'd be a, I'd be cheating myself. Um, so those are major re reasons that I wanted to have four years under my belt, under my um, application. And in addition to that, I just wanted to have a little more real life experience before I continue education. Um, so during this gap year, I'm hoping to do AmeriCorps. Um, this will give me an opportunity to interact with a new population of individuals that I might not otherwise see if I go straight into medical school. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, that's those all are good reasons. I. Um, again, in disclosure, I, I, I was a not, not by much, but I was technically a non-traditional student coming into medical school, and I, I had uh, not initially intended on doing medicine. So, yeah, I went back and uh, took courses that I needed and took the MCAT and all those things after I'd already completed a full undergrad. So uh, I'm always impressed by those who do kind of have it all wrapped up and ready to go by their junior year. But you're right that it, it's difficult. And in, at a large college, certainly like UW-Madison, I, I think to get really quality letters of recommendation and, and endorsements from faculty, it, it can be a challenge uh, because, as you well know, most of your freshman and sophomore classes are, you know, in large auditoriums. Your, most of your experiences with TAs and things like that. So I, I think those are all very reasonable, and, and uh, that sounds like a great, a great plan. Would you say that it's fairly common that a lot of pre-meds nowadays are planning some sort of gap year, or, or were you still kind of in the minority with that sense? I would say out of all of my friends that are pre-med, I only know one that is going straight into medical school, and I probably have 10. So um, right. I think it's becoming more and more popular. I wouldn't know numbers exactly, and I know the average age is actually increasing for medical school, so I would assume maybe the majority are taking a gap year. I don't know if that makes sense statistically at all, but. No, um, I, I think you're correct. I, I, um, 
Yeah, you're right that over the certainly the last decade, the the average age has ticked up slightly. I mean, it's still in the early mid twenties, but it is going. It, it's more and more rare for someone to be 22, 23, something like that, and, and matriculating medical school. I do think the gap year concept is becoming more common, and, and yeah, I, I don't personally know if it's related to increased competition or just something that's happening. Um, perhaps it's like you said, you wanted to ex enjoy your undergraduate experience. And, and I, I agree that um, I think if you're trying to do it all in a very compressed and quick fashion, it doesn't leave you a lot of time to even explore uh, some other classes that may not be in the biochemistry track, let's say, you know, uh, exploring some electives that might be uh, things that you'll never really do much with again, but they're they add to your experience in undergraduate. Uh, so I think that's all reasonable. Let's see. So uh, you don't have to talk about any specifics, but just roughly, uh, how many med schools do you plan on applying to? I am still kind of deciding that, but I might just apply to one actually uh, oh, wow. because I know where I want to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to go to UW. I want to continue okay. my education at University of Wisconsin. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really passionate about public health. Um, and research, and UW is pretty amazing in both of those. Um, in addition to being an in-state student, the tuition is very affordable, and I'm considering primary care, so that's important to consider when I'm making financial decisions, like how much debt I want to go into in my life. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, it sounds like you have a good practical <laughs> experience and, and mindset there. I think uh, it's good at, at your point before you're you've signed on the dotted lines with the student loans that you're thinking about that because I think that's something a lot of people uh, gloss over the uh, that you're right uh, frequently in-state tuition can be cheaper state schools things like that so you know if, if you have a good in-state school uh, certainly it's it's not a bad idea to keep it uh, towards the top of your list sounds like you've you've done a uh, good job if you have that level of confidence that you could apply to to just that school. Um, would you be concerned or worried at all just applying to one? Or and that's why I'm still thinking about it. I'm a little concerned. Um, my MCAT is competitive. My GPA is competitive. My involvement is competitive. I have mm -hmm. great letters of rec, but sometimes there are other people that are just a little better than you. They have something a little different about them. Um, so I might consider applying to another school. It's just finding another school that I would want to attend and still fits in my ideal budget, which is tricky. Right. All signs point to UW. <laughs> yeah. And and how, um, you know, with your friends who are in, a, in your similar situation kind of towards the end of your undergraduate experience, uh, what are some of the numbers most people are talking about in terms of how many med schools they're applying to? I think the average is like 15, um, which right. is also horribly expensive if you can't yeah. get your fees waived. Um, but some of my friends are applying to four or five, I would say, um, but the average is 15. I had a friend of a friend who applied to 32 medical schools, which is time consuming and expensive, and I could never see myself doing that. Right. So it sounds like you, you kind of already touched on this question a little bit, but, um, you know, with focus on, pro, on uh, public health and good primary care training, things like that, uh, is there anything else that you would say would contribute to your ideal med school program? What are some other factors that you're looking for? I would certainly say the research is a huge aspect for me. Um, 
research is what allows medicine to continually evolve. And that's part of why I love medicine so much is that you're constantly learning. Um, I would say having a great reputation is important to me um, too, as I kind of move forward with my career and plan to go to residency and match with competitive schools. Um, yeah, I guess a curriculum that involves public health though is one of my main um, draws okay. to UW. Have you considered doing either a combined program with uh, a public health school or perhaps given your research interest, uh, actually going for an MD-PhD? Um, I had thought about an MD-PhD sophomore year. Um, and as I continued with my research, I was like, this is really great, but I don't want to do it for four more years after undergrad every day. Sure. Um, so I would like to be involved in some sort of research, but as far as becoming like a medical scientist, I don't really see myself continuing to work with the sciences as in-depth as I have in undergrad and even more like further in-depth um, in the future. Um, I could see myself doing a master's in public health. I know UW has a combo program of the MD, MPH. Um, however, I've talked to a few medical students and they say because public health is so integrated into the medical education at UW that they feel like it would be incredibly redundant. Um, However, a master's would allow me to further explore projects in public health and work on uh, public health issues in the Madison area, which would also interest me. So sure. we'll yeah. see. <laughs> oh, all good things to think about. That's that's true. Um, well, so you sat for the MCAT uh, just this last year. Is that right? Last Was it around last winter or am I getting my dates mixed up there? Um, it was September 9th was my, my special date for the MCAT. Okay, so just this fall then, this recent fall. Mm -hmm. um, so how did that experience go? Did it surprise you? Was there anything that uh, you didn't expect? Do you have any advice for pre-med still preparing for the MCAT? Yeah, so I knew the MCAT was going to be the worst part of my uh, application. Um, I'm not good at standardized tests. Um, I've never been good at standardized tests. If you give me an exam that I had material presented to me and it's an abstract application, I'm really great at that. But for whatever reason with standardized tests, things just don't click. I took my first practice MCAT and I ended up in the 19th percentile, um, which is obviously not a competitive score at all. Um, that means I was only above 19% of people. Um, and so I knew I had to kick it into gear. I took that in May of 2017. So I bought the Kaplan books. I wouldn't recommend the course because it's almost $3,000. And um, as long as you're an independent study year, you shouldn't have issues with doing the books. If you've done well in undergrad, you're going to do well with the books also um, to independently teach yourself. So that's what I did. And I did a practice exam like every single weekend. The Kaplan books come with three. I bought two from the AMC. I found three ones online. Um, so seven hours of my weekend every weekend dedicated to just taking those exams and then another three probably reviewing um, the exam and seeing what went wrong and how I can address those problems in the future um, and then I ended up doing very well on it so um, I climbed up to a 509 which my goal score was a 508 um, and I think the average is about a 510 at UW so right. um, yeah. a little lower for in-state students yeah so for me I know that's not a competitive score for a lot of individuals. They say they want the 92nd percentile, they want the 97th percentile, um, but for me, I knew that's just not achievable. Um, so setting a realistic goal is 
the most important thing that you can do for yourself so that you don't get disappointed and don't get burned out from studying, 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 and seeing no progress to that goal. Um, so I knew the 83rd percentile was a reasonable goal for me. Well, I appreciate your honesty, Annalise. That's, I, I think for any pre-meds listening to this, uh, they'll always appreciate that. It's easy to get on to online forums and books and other th- talk to your friends and every everybody has you know a 530 or whatever <laughs> you know it's it, everyone right. is you know n- you never hear the people that are more honest about it and say you know this is what i was shooting for and i know it's it, i think it's competitive or, or it's you know i started and i was well below what i wanted so that's always refreshing uh so you're suggesting or you're saying then you know seven to ten hours something in that range each weekend over what time period was that, that you were putting that, that amount of time into the MCAT? Um, about three months. So for the first month I didn't really do practice exams and then I knew I had to kick it into gear once I, so those last two months, um, from about July and August up until September uh, 9th is when I was really kicking it into gear and studying probably 10 hours a day, Right. Um, yeah. 10 to 12 hours a day. Yeah. And, and I took two summer courses at that time as well. So I was busy. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you if you were taking classes at the same time. Um, yeah. I can't remember if I was taking classes or not at the same time. I, I think I might have been working, but I, I did a very similar thing once I was done with all my science classes that contributed to the exam. I, I, I took, yeah, two or three months just every weekend going to the library and, and kind of focusing on going through a bunch of practice exams. I, I think all through medical training, you'll find that uh, doing actual practice exams is always helpful all the way through the USMLEs, board exams for for your specialties, all that kind of stuff. It really helps to kind of understand the questions that they're going to ask, what they're looking for you to understand and know, and just the basics, the logistics of the exam, the format, all that kind of stuff. Uh, So that the day, and, and even more so for people like you said that like yourself that aren't naturally gifted at, at standardized exams because you have to take a lot of them. And, and uh, when you come in and you don't have to think about the logistics of the, you know, how many sections are there, how's the format go, that kind of stuff, you, you can just more naturally allow yourself to focus on the actual content. So I think that's key. Um, so kind of given that information, then what did you feel you prepared well for the actual day of the exam when you got there everything was as you expected and you know what weren't any surprises for you yeah um i guess i felt very prepared at that point i was like you've studied all you can study the test gave me such bad anxiety that i was just happy to be done with it at that point um so i was like in seven and a half hours you are free and then you have to go into a month-long waiting game for your score which is also a little nerve-wracking um but I felt like I couldn't have possibly studied anymore. And if I would have spent another week studying, it wouldn't have driven up my score anymore. Um, I did the best that I possibly could, I think. Um, the biology section was a lot trickier than I expected. Um, that was my lowest score for sure. I just, I didn't realize that cancer was going to be so incredibly important for the <laughs> biology section because most ex- most practice exams had one section on cancer but it was literally every single question um so be prepared for them to throw you for a loop <laughs> <laughs> um but other than that most things are pretty standard um most yeah very similar to the practice exam well, good, so good. i don't know if i'm supposed to say that but 
No, I mean, um, yeah, that's yeah. that's honest answer. Yes, but that's and that's always going to be the case. That's what I found. Uh, you know, if, if if you take the practice exams for the USMLE step exams, the, the board certification exams, all that stuff, yeah, they're usually pretty similar, and, and that's that goes a long way. Uh, well, there's definitely no better feeling than when you're done with a, a big milestone exam like that. So congratulations on on conquering that beast, and it sounds like doing pretty well on it. So that's that's great. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so it, you talked a little bit about some of the clinical experiences or at least research experiences that you've had. Um, what about some clinical experiences where you've been able to interact with patients? Uh, have you had many of those as a pre-med? And, and if so, how did you go about securing those positions? Yeah. So those are really difficult to come across as a pre-med if you don't have a CNA um, license. Um, which I do not, or a certification. The CNA being I'm a, sorry, a, a nursing assistant? A, yes, a certified okay. nursing assistant, yeah. Um, so that's a really great way if you're looking for patient interaction, you should get licensed in that, certified in that. Um, and you can work in nursing homes, you can work in hospital settings, you can work in a lot of different settings, you can work as a personal caregiver. Um, so I didn't have that option, and I really didn't have the time or money to take the course. Um, so instead, I contacted Our Lady of Hope Clinic, which is a free clinic for uninsured individuals on the west side of Madison. Um, and I began my work with them about a year and a half ago, maybe. Um, and they went through a general uh, interview process and they selected me as a volunteer medical assistant. Um, to clarify, that doesn't mean that I have my certification or degree in medical assistant. That's just what our label is. Um, and right in, through Our Lady of Hope, I am able to interact with patients. I run basic vitals. I chart their um, vitals. I chart their basic information. Um, I get to shadow a little bit, and I do some translational services for my Spanish-speaking patients as well. Well, that sounds like an excellent experience. Out of curiosity, roughly how much does it cost to, to become a CNA? I believe it's about $500. Um, it could be more. And then you also have to buy scrubs and special shoes and special watch and all sorts of stuff. Um, and, and the payoff is certainly worth it, but it's several hundred dollars. Right. And, and, it, and it requires, uh, coursework and time and things, you know, the other things you have to commit like that as well then. Right. Is it fairly common? Would you find that a lot of, a lot of your pre-med colleagues, are CNAs or did did that route to get clinical mm -hmm. experience? Some people are. I would say it's certainly more common. I would say to be a PA, you almost entirely need to have that CNA license and to be a nurse as well, um, just because you need those patient contact hours. But for medical school, they aren't as strict on patient contact hours and how many of those you need. Whereas PA, you have a minimum of a thousand that you need um, oh, for okay. most schools to even be considered. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that. That's interesting. I, I know when I was trying to get some clinical experience, I, I think I just called hospitals and, and uh, asked to speak to the volunteer section and, and then went from there. And, uh, you know, a lot of the volunteering work initially is quite menial, but then it, that at least gets your foot in the door and you can, you know, interact with some physicians there. And I expressed that I was interested in medical school and then kind of got some shadowing experiences from that. So, I assume that's still an option uh, doing that, but it sounds like you, you went, uh, you know, your route that you took was, you, you got a lot probably broader experience than I think I did. That's That sounds like a great opportunity, especially being able to integrate your Spanish skills and things like that in there. Um, right. 
So you mentioned primary care. Is that, uh, you know, that's, I assume, then kind of your plan in terms of what type of physician you would like to be. You're thinking family medicine, general internist, pediatrician, something along those lines? Um, I'm still considering a lot of things. Um, so where I plan and hope to do AmeriCorps is called 16th Street Community Health Centers. Um, and I'm hoping that will expose me to a few more fields, but I'm potentially interested in OBGYN, um, also women's health. Um, okay. We'll kind yeah. of see as I go through. I'm keeping an open mind, but primary sure. care is a really great way to interact with patients and interact with them long term, which I really like. Right. Yeah, certainly that it's hard to find much more um, continuity and long-term care than, than with primary care fields. Uh, but as you said, it's always good to keep an open mind. I think, you know, one of the unique things about medical school and um, one of the things that I think makes it really a good option and a good thing to do is, is that it really exposes you to everything you could think of in the healthcare world. So, you know, certainly there are a lot of people that come in with a mindset of, I want to be a surgeon or I want to be a primary care physician, and they come out with that. Uh, but I was always surprised by the people that were exposed to something they had never thought of. And they say, oh, wow, I really like that. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, great to keep an open mind. And I think you'll do much better on all of, all of your coursework along the way if, if you at least say, you know, let me see if this is something I might like as opposed to closing it off right away. But But that's good that you have a game plan. Sounds like a good plan. Um, let's see a couple final questions here. Did you consider any non-physician healthcare professions? It sounds like you've kind of early on decided that being a, a physician, a medical doctor is something that you were interested in, but did you ever think about, uh, as you mentioned, some things like being a, a PA or, or nurse or any, a number of other healthcare professions? I don't think I considered it a lot just because I really do love science. And I think that medicine allows me to spend a little more time with science before entering my professional training. Um, as far as a PA, I didn't really, just because I didn't have a lot of exposure to the health field before leaving high school, I didn't really even know it existed, honestly. Um, same with like a nurse practitioner. Once I, I actually switched to a nurse practitioner as my own provider my senior year of high school, and I was like, that exists. Um, and so yeah. I guess I just really didn't consider other options because I didn't know about them at the time, but now I know about them and I'm still confident that I have made the right decision just because of my love for science and my love for research and um, just my desire to kind of lead, lead the way um, as a doctor. So, yeah. Understood. Yeah. Well, and I think you had a good point. I think that's, um, there are many, many careers in the healthcare world. And I think you're right that the vast majority of high school students, unless they have a parent or an immediate family member um, who is, like you said, a nurse practitioner or, you know, a physician assistant or a nurse anesthetist or any of these other uh, careers, most of them never even know they exist, like you said. Um, all right. So one last, uh, you know, I, I know had mentioned uh, in my 
uh, intro monologue there about about my book, Med School Uncensored. I uh, I know I gave you a copy and you said you read it and uh, went through it. Yes, uh, I did read it. <laughs> I'm just curious, uh, what, was there one thing in particular that you learned from the book or that surprised you or, or that gave you, you know, kind of a, a pause where you're like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. And you know you don't have to answer if the really if it if you it did, nothing was interesting or surprised you that's fine too but I'm just curious if there was one thing in particular that stuck out for you. Well, just overall, the things that surprised me were how medical school works because all I've talked about in undergrad is how to get into medical school. Um, that's been my biggest focus. But once I get to medical school, I guess I really wouldn't have known what was next until, I mean, I knew residency and I knew fellowship was an option, but the actual details of what happens each and every year um, was probably the most surprising part of it to me or the most interesting because I hadn't really been exposed to those details before, um, specifically with like the you smile and basically your future residency is determined after your second year, for example, um, which is crazy to me. Um, but that was certainly the most surprising and Sure. Yeah. So, so just kind of the, yeah. So, so it sounds like not even anything specific, just like for you, it was really the, the overall big picture that, you know, none of that was known to you really. Uh, and, and I agree that's, there's not much focus on that at the pre-med side. And that was kind of my motivation for writing the book. And, and, and I understand that many pre-meds are rightfully so very focused on it. But uh, yeah, I think it is for me, at least it, it would have been nice to kind of have at least a, a roadmap of, okay, so now I got into medical school, this is what to expect. Or, or if I were in that, you know, kind of point where I'm considering medicine versus other careers and I want to know a little more about what comes next. So, well, that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad that helped you get uh, kind of an idea of, of what's to come. It sounds like you uh, have done a, a really good job, especially as you said, coming from, uh, being the first graduate from college in your family and not having, uh, you know, from day one, a lot of immediate uh, physicians resources available to you. It sounds like you've done an excellent job of figuring it all out and, uh, you know, studying well, uh, preparing for the MCAT, overcoming some of your aversions to st standardized exams and things like that, and, and teeing yourself up nicely for hopefully a successful admission uh, to UW-Madison or wherever else you might apply and want to go. Um, I thank you again for the time uh, that you took to do this interview. And uh, yeah, I hope, uh, wish you the best. Uh, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners or anything else that you'd like to add? If, if you were talking to yourself maybe a few years prior or someone in your same, same shoes at the moment? Yeah, I guess um, just follow what makes you passionate. And if that's not medicine, that's okay. And if it is, that's great. Um, but stick to the things that you love and that will show in your application, um, your passion for those things. All right, perfect. All right, Annalise, thanks again for taking the time this morning for um, being interviewed here for this interview and uh, thank you everyone for listening again to the inaugural podcast here of the med school uncensored podcast i'm richard bettingfield and have a good day